Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. That is who you are. That's why we worship. That's why we declare. I just saw a, uh, a little clip that Pastor Phil put out. He's got his head up. He's got a smile on his face. The whole global presence tour has just been cancelled. Postponed. Because it'll happen. And I love it. He had this cheeky little thing in there. He said, uh, we don't stop worshipping. He said, just wash your hands first and then raise them in the air. We don't stop worshipping. I love a leader who's saying, come on, just wash your hands and then raise them in the air. Because we're still worshipping the God who is our way maker, who's still a miracle worker. There's still miracles happening. There is still people being saved. God is still on the throne. And we will declare that. We will declare that. Hey, guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break. Um, I'm going to get into I want to thank uh, the teams, our communion team today, who went above and beyond in what they did. Uh, they did this for the first service as well this morning. Thank you, Zach. Uh, they did it for the first service. You guys can take a seat. Uh, they were here very early on. As Stu said, they were, they were gloved up in biochemical suits and doing whatever they needed to do. Uh, and, you know, they stood here as an act of, of service to make sure that we could uh, take communion because we felt it was really, really important to be able to, uh, to do that. One of the things uh, Stu talked about a little bit earlier on, and I just want to focus on it for a couple of minutes, and then I've got a message I want to share, is we don't know... Uh, what tomorrow changes could be. We know that the government have already put in um, um, standards in relation to the amount of people that can meet and uh, it's expected that they will move within the next couple of days again. States have the ability to be able to move them as well if they deem, obviously further down. Uh, And so we are working very hard with the health department and the authorities to ensure, uh, you know, the health and care of our congregation, not just our congregation, but our wider congregation. We actually put more chairs out today, knowing that we would have less people. It's kind of like that thing, you know, when you jump on a plane and you're just going, hopefully there's no one around me, you know? I can just spread out, you know, you're doing an overnight flight and I can just spread out. And so we just put some more chairs out. We got the team in on Friday and they just put a few more chairs out to be able to do a few little different things. We are a church that is beyond Sunday. Something that came to Morella and I about three years ago is that we are a church that is far beyond the walls of a service on a Sunday morning. Well, we know that because we have a service on a Wednesday. We know that because we're about to go down to the Huon Valley and eat some cake because it's a one-year celebration down there. Can I tell you about the Huon Valley? We have seen lives transformed down there. Uh, We have seen... People come to know Jesus for the very first time. They are now down there serving on team. There is things happening in the Huon Valley. It is something really special. But we are a church that is beyond Sunday. And one of the, one of the, the key characteristics of that we will be continuing to do, because it, let's be honest, it may be that next week uh, I'm preaching here to just the cameraman. And that'll be really awkward kind of like playing AFL football with, you know, what do you do if you, are, if you kick a goal and, you know, you're like you're in AFL football and you're kind of like, awesome. 
You're not allowed to even high-five your mates. You know, it's kind of like elbow taps to your mate. But we're not going to stop the Word of God getting out there. One of the challenges that we face, I believe, as a wider community is what's going to be a social isolation problem. And you may think, well, I've got families, I've got people around me, I've got stuff like this, but a lot of people don't. And they come into church communities because it is a a church family and a community. Nico talked about the fact that this is his extended family. So we will be making sure, we're going to work really hard with our teams to make sure that we are engaging with people in every aspect we can be doing. And we are live streaming. It worked in our nine o'clock service and we had people doing it and I had people giving thumbs up emojis and and all sorts of stuff. So uh, we will get the gospel out there. I trust you all have your Bibles handy and your TYB. The scripture I'm reading is found in Hebrews 12, verse 4, which is page 1335. The title of my message is Let It Mess You Up. And I'm going to uh, seek forgiveness here because I'm not using my Trash Your Bible because I'm using a Bible that messed me up. It's fallen apart. Not because I wasn't careful, but because I was hungry for what was inside. It's uh, written all over. It's kind of pages falling out. And I could see it as being disrespectful, but actually I was so hungry to get into this, I took it everywhere I went. I got this one before I went to the Middle East. And wherever I'd travel... Wherever I would do things, it would sit in the bottom of my bag just so that I had it with me. And the title of my message today is Let It Mess You Up. And by that I mean, don't be afraid for God to work in your life. I tend to find that sometimes we can, we can come to a Sunday morning and probably more so today because there's that, just that atmosphere there where where subconsciously we put up this barrier hoping that God doesn't mess me up today. I, I, I shared it before and I love this. I kind of walk in there and whenever Candace is singing, she's got such an engaging smile and a welcoming uh, that, that it just messes me up in worship. Because it's not just then words on a screen, it's someone I know is deep into praising God believing of what that is. The message that Tyrone just gave us, the communion message is a profound message. I think as you go through on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and you think about that, it's going to mess you up a little bit because it's a profound message. The scripture starts with the writer of Hebrews declaring, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. If you are new here to C3 or indeed new to church, as Stu explained, we are in a series that we've called TYB and is about equipping you or helping you fall in love with the word of God regardless of where you are on your journey. Two weeks ago, as Sharon shared with us, that uh, we gave out Bibles to everybody who was here, and we're doing it again today. 
And in the week following, I had someone um, come up and say to me that, that they struggled to take one of the new Bibles because they had fear of doing damage to it. They were saying it looked so pristine and so beautifully you know, presented there that they were fearful of doing damage to it. Had someone else tell me that they didn't take one because they felt they didn't deserve it. Got me thinking to my first ever Bible. This was my first ever Bible. It was presented to me by Sunday School Superintendent Wilfred Poole, which was kind of ironic that I actually graduated from Sunday School because my parents would regularly get a phone call asking why I couldn't remember simple memory verses. But I was pretty chuffed when I graduated from Sunday school and you had to wear your Sunday best and you walked up onto the platform and you were presented with your graduation Bible. And I went home and I placed it beside my my bed and it sat there for a while until the comic books overtook it and I couldn't find it anymore. I took it to church a couple of times until that got boring. And I even started or attempted the Bible in one year. But by the 3rd of January, I was two days behind, so I gave it up. In reality, the Bible to me was skin deep. It was superficial. And there is a brilliant book written by a lady called Meredith Lake. And in it, she shares a story of an interview with that former professional surfer, turned bra boy uh, gang member, Kobe Atherton. And they were doing a documentary. And in the documentary, he was famous for coming out of the water with the big tattoo all over his body, my brother's keeper. And in the interview, she asked him why that particular wording. At the time, he was uh, fighting homicide charges. He was a gang member. And so she said, why would you put my brother's keeper on your body? And and he said, in Genesis 4, there's a story of Cain and Abel, whereby Cain, after killing Abel, defends himself and says, am I my brother's keeper? Now, this is not meant as a reflection on this young man. I don't know where he is on his faith journey. But it's more of a a summation of where we're at as a 21st century uh, Australia whereby our attitudes to the Bible is often seen in what we tattoo on ourselves or what we put on a meme or praying emojis or what we send to somebody, yet the very idea of letting the Bible mess us up is something that we can't handle. It's kind of like the Bible is skin deep. It's kind of like the Bible was to me where I was happy to put it on my bedside table as long as it doesn't really do anything to me. I can read a story like I did in Sunday school and that will be okay and I'll just read it and I've done it. But I really don't want this to mess me up. Earlier we saw a a video clip that was was put out by the, uh, the Centre for Bible Engagement. It was a culmination, as you saw, of a 12 month uh, survey that they did of over 40,000 people various, who were various stages of their faith journey. It was a general population in the US. 
the only, uh, many of them claim to have no faith, but the only common denominator is that they had to have had a Bible. Survey questioning effectively asks them whether they read their Bible. And secondly, if it has changed anything in their life, has it messed them up? The study found that things happen when you read your Bible four times a week. We saw those things. But it was one of the concluding remarks that took my attention. It said this, it was found that a lack of spiritual engagement with seeking the Word of God was producing a generation that was not only ignorant of basic Bible facts, but left them vulnerable to seeking out idols and believing false teachings. And then maybe the most disturbing comment came afterwards. The lack of reading or Bible engagement, what they called, left people feeling in a state of no hope. British evangelist Gypsy Smith tells this story of an academic and a church member storming into his office one day and throwing his Bible down on, on, the, on, the, on the desk and saying to him, I went through this book like you asked me to. In fact, I went through it twice to make sure I didn't miss any pages, but nothing happened. To which Gypsy replied, the point is you went through the book, but you didn't allow the book to go through you. I want to take the next few moments and just share a few thoughts around common reasons why we don't or we aren't prepared for the Bible to mess us up. The first one is this, feelings of inadequacy. Some run to God and they run to the Scriptures for life advice. Others run in the opposite direction. There's a character by the name of Jonah, page 990 in your TYB. I looked that up in the break. And in chapter 1, it says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, I'm one of those people where I'm kind of looking up in the sky. Did anyone see the handwriting this week? Wash your hands. That was in the sky writing. That's very clever, actually. I'm kind of one of those ones where I'm, I'm like, I go out in my morning prayer walk and I'm like, God, if you can just reveal in the sky what decisions I'm supposed to make today, what I would do, that would be really helpful for me. And if not, well, maybe in chalk on the ground, that would be okay. Or I'll go to the letterbox and there'll be something in there that says, today, Sean, you should make this decision. That would be wise and discerning. I don't know about you, but it doesn't really happen. Here's Jonah, where the word of God came to Jonah. I don't even, there's nothing even before that. It's not like it says Jonah was seeking out God. It just says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It's like bullseye, thank you very much. And then it kind of goes a little bit further. It's not like, well, God, are you speaking in tongues there because I can't hear you? It tells him what to do. It says, go to Nineveh, preach the word. Why? Because the people are bad. The people are really bad, actually. If you go back through some of the, uh, as you will, uh, when you're in self-isolation or other reasons, 
uh, you'll go back through some of the minor prophets, you'll find that the Ninevites were really bad people. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. I wonder, do we do the same? You see, I've read that many times and I've actually questioned, I actually asked one of my mentors, why does Jonah get his own book in the Bible? Like, it's not like I'm reading some of the other things where, you know, they did these amazing things. Jonah ran away. Why does he get his own book in the Word of God? See, the thing is with this is that we can point our fingers at Jonah and say, why did you run away when the Word of God came to you? And then there's, a lot, there's four fingers pointing back at us. How many times is God speaking to us? How many times is a word of God speaking to us, yet we're sitting there saying, no, thank you, God, I've got too many things to do. Or maybe I feel inadequate in doing this. Or maybe, God, you haven't equipped me enough to be able to do that. Second point is this. Heart issues. Jonah had heart issues. For those who uh, missed the Sunday school story, remember I graduated, I was there. The story goes that Jonah got onto a boat and headed for a place called Tarshish, which was exactly the opposite direction to where God goes. Don't you find that funny? When God tells you to do one thing, you run exactly the opposite way. It's not even, oh, I'll just move a little bit to the side. I'm going to run exactly the opposite way because God, you can't see me over there, right? Yeah, well, you can. He created the whole world. He created Tarshish and Nineveh. But anyway, different story. He headed the opposite direction in which God had instructed him. That was until the boat started sinking. The crew on board realized that, that Jonah was the one to blame for this because he had disobeyed God. So they did as you would do with a crew member. They threw him overboard. Uh, and then he was swallowed by a big old fish, a whale. And uh, you'll be very pleased to know that uh, we do some really great things midweek here. Our pastoral team is absolutely A1. Steve and I sat in his office this week and I reckon for two days we discussed what it would be like to be in the belly of a whale. It's important. It's in the Bible, right? So we spent two days working. What would you do in self-isolation in the belly of a whale? He only had three days. Here's the thing, as normally happens when you're in a tough situation, you cry out to God. It's something inside our human instinct that we cry out to God when we're in a tough situation. When everything's going well and we've just found our new home and the marriage is going well and you know we're, we're in a good career and we're doing things and things are looking good, it seems to be that we can kind of leave the Bible aside because we're going okay, thanks. Yet when things start to fall apart is when we get on our knees and we cry out to God or we open the Bible and say, God, show me what it is. And we see this exactly with, with Jonah. Straight away, it says in, in chapter 2, Jonah chapter 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from inside the valley. And he cries out to him and he's got this long prayer. He's calling out and he's, he's like, Lord God, answer me in my distress. And then in verse 9 and 10, it says, But with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And here's the beautiful part about this. Even when we run away, God is gracious to us. 
Because at the end of this, at that it says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Do you guys ever, when you're reading the Bible, do you ever have weird thoughts like I do? How far out was the fish from the dry land? You ever thought about that? Because whales are a long way out, right? And it says that he's vomiting him out. I think to myself, was it a really long projectile or was it, anyway. I do these things when I get in. Let the Bible mess you up. Have a think about it. It just says, it says, yeah, anyway, I'm off track, completely off track. Here's the thing. Jonah wasn't a bad person. But Jonah had a heart issue here. This story is actually not about a rebellious Jonah. It's not about a Jonah who was too busy to be doing things. It was about a Jonah who couldn't do it in his, in his mind because his heart wasn't there. You see, the Ninevites were really bad people, barbaric people. They brutalized and sodomized people. Jonah was a God-fearing person. And he knew that if God was sending him to preach the word of God to the Ninevites, then that means that God was prepared to give grace to the people of the Ninevites. And inside his heart, Jonah couldn't handle that. Inside his heart, Jonah's going, well, hang on a second. Why do they deserve that? They've lived years, generations, whatever it might be, of being absolute scumbags. Why do they deserve me to give up my time and go and preach the good news to them in order that they may receive your salvation? Let the Bible mess you up. How many times do we have heart issues where we can point our finger at Jonah and say, we wouldn't do that. We'll go wherever you want us to do. Yet there's a person in our life that we just can't forgive. Because a year ago, they messed us up. A year ago, they left us out. A year ago, they, they gossiped about us. And we can't break into that because we think to ourselves, they haven't even come to us and asked for forgiveness yet. So why should I go to them and share the good news and tell them that Jesus loves them? It's really hard to love the ones that you hate. It's really hard to love the ones that you feel have been offensive towards you. Yet God says to Jonah, go to exactly those people. Third point is this. Third most compelling reason that keeps people from reading the Bible is that we are comfortable and we're doing okay. I'm at the point in my life where I don't need your direction, God. You see, if you're prepared to let this mess you up, if you're prepared to read the directions in this, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be different to the way you're going in some areas of your life. Because as Tyrone beautifully pointed out, we were born into sin. There is areas in our life that we will skip through the pages in this because they hurt to read them. There's other areas where we're doing really good and we'll read those stories and we'll go, God, I obey you and I do these things. But there's areas of our life, it might be anger. It might be pride. It might be so many different things. It might be that We'd, we'd go, we would never have the Asherah pole of idols out there. I mean, what sort of people were they that would worship idols? 
yet we're struggling with idols in our own life. Maybe our idol is fitness. I'm not just talking about keeping healthy. Are we sacrificing time with friends, with, 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 with our family, with life? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's about success and career. If we think that God doesn't know about COVID-19, we're in the wrong place. And part of me thinks that God is slowing down the world because, because we just we had left God behind. Everything was booming and we had left God behind. And yet God's saying, well, if, you, if you're not going to turn around and look for me, if you're not going to walk in step with me, you see, we become too comfortable until we're not comfortable. For those who read ahead, in Hebrews 4.12, I only read the first part of it, which says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. The last part says this, It judges the very thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. The Passion Translation translates it like this. It says, it interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. I was at a youth conference when I was 18 or 19. And it was just as those big rear screens were coming into fashion. And I remember the preacher shouting out to the crowd of about three or 4,000 teenagers. He said, would you be comfortable if every thought and actions of the last 24 hours were played out on the screen behind me? Your desires, your thoughts, who you are. Would you be comfortable if we played them out to the crowd? And to be honest, I don't totally agree with that type of preaching. But the point is, is that we can become so comfortable not dealing with who we are or not desiring to let God mess us up that we will put a barrier up and hope that nobody sees it. Yet this very scripture says that the Word of God is alive and active and it will go into the very thoughts and attitudes of our heart. It knows what you were thinking. It penetrates into your, your bone and marrow. The joints and marrow, there is nothing in between joints and marrow. Yet this will penetrate in between there to the very inner soul of who you are. And so why don't we read the Bible is because we don't want it to judge us. Yet I say, let it mess you up. Let it mess you up. Something incredibly amazing happened in the book of Jonah. It ends kind of crazy, to be honest. It ends with a question that's not answered. But Jonah went. In chapter 3, we read that Jonah went. Reluctantly. He's called the reluctant prophet. He went reluctantly, but he went. He preached the gospel. He preached the good news. Sometimes... A church, we need to go even reluctantly. 
Sometimes it's not going to be an open, easy passage where it's just, well, let's walk this way and let's do this. Bang, you're saved, you're saved. There's a healing here. This stuff happens. Again, I've, I've, I've probably had it three or four times. I don't know the answer. Why do bad things happen to good people? Yet, what I do know is that Jonah went. And what we do read in the Scriptures, there was a, there was a town of 120,000 people that were barbaric people, yet we know that they came to know Jesus Christ or came to know God. They came to know who was their Lord. The events of 2020 turned over the calendar new decade new year everyone was so excited and pumped and we got hit by bushfires we had a good dousing of flooding that has affected a lot of people and now we're in a situation that is foreign to all of us world health experts don't really know where we're going day by day as to what this is Yet what we do know is that God is still on the throne. What we do know is that His Word is alive and active and true. And what we do know is there to mess us up. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Because my prayer at this time is that there may be some here this morning who maybe even came in a little bit nervously, not knowing, am I supposed to be in a gathering? Am I supposed to be in church? Well, God's been speaking to you this morning and, and, and He's been speaking to you and saying, I need to mess you up a little bit. And this is between you and God. There is areas of your life that you don't want put on a big screen. There's areas of your life that you put so far in the back of your mind because you don't want others to see them. You don't want yourself to see them. Yet I believe today God is saying, I'm going to push into those areas. I'm going to push into the joints and the marrows, the very inner thoughts of who you are. I'm going to reveal and I'm going to get in there. Why? Because I desire for you to be the very best you can be. just as eyes are closed. If God's been speaking to you about those certain things and you just want to declare to Him, it's just between you and God, if you want to declare to Him, that's what it is for me, then I want you to just raise your hand where you are. God, work on those areas of my life. Mess me up a little bit. Thank you. I can see those hands raising right across this place. Thank you. I can see them. I can see them there. He's been saying to you, you can put them down again. It's just between you and God. He's been saying to you, you know what? Our God is the only one who has a right to judge us. He loves us and He cares for us because when He judges us, He gives us a grace, a grace that abounds, a grace that says, I will take you as you are. I love you. You are never too broken for me. Jonah was never too broken for God. He has a book named after him. God is saying to you today, you are never too broken for me. Just in this last 10 seconds, if there's anybody else, just raise your hands just where you are. Fantastic. Thank you. I can see those. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Stuart to come back up. At the end of the service, you can put your hands down. At the end of the service, if you raised your hands, what I want you to do is this. It's going to be after the service. 
We're trying to abide by close contact type situations. But we would love to just pray with you if you would love to be prayed for. Because sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a certain thing where, where someone with you can, can pray and hold that accountable. So Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time. Lord God, I thank you that you are speaking into our lives. I thank you that you would use Jonah. I thank you that you would use me. Thank you, Lord God, that you would use each one of us no matter where we are. Heavenly Father, we may not know in a certainty what happens tomorrow, but we do have a certainty in you. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Lord God, I thank you that you messed me up. That you messed up my comfortable life, Lord God, and set me on a path where I could do things for you. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.